Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to Rotowire's signature NHL hockey pod podcast with Statsman and AJ Friends. I'm Paul Bruno in Toronto, Ontario, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co-host is AJ Scholes, a great follow at AJ Scholes24, based in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin. That's very close to Roadwire headquarters over in Madison. And I know my partner is heated after the recent a game played by Boston against Pittsburgh where there was some shenanigans and antics by one Brad Marchand, who's come in for more fire on this podcast over the seven-year history of the show than any other single player. Most of it's come from me, though, usually. But I'm going to cede the floor <laughs> to you, buddy. Uh, what happened? Well, I mean, uh, you know, I don't, I, I don't really know exactly what set him off. So, um Brad Marchand, about 30 seconds left in the game. Uh, It it does appear, I I will concede, it does appear like Jari says something to him. um, And then he, like, just went off and cold-cocked Tristan Jari on on the side of the head. And then, uh, you know, as they're trying to get him off the ice, he took his stick and whacked, uh, whacked Jari across the mask with the stick as well. So... Uh, obviously, it was called for a match penalty with intent to injure. League stepped in, automatic uh, did an in-person hearing, which opens the door for uh, you know more than five game suspension, which is what they did. They gave him six games, and clear. I mean, clearly something going on between these two because earlier in the game, in about the second period, Jari went like he picked up the the puck like he was going to throw it over the like boards to like some fans, right? Which it's kind of a cool thing to do. Like, I'm sure those fans would have appreciated it. But Marshawn, like, comes out of nowhere, like, knocks the puck off his stick. And, like, he, like, picks it up and, like, throws it to, like, center ice. It was just – it was a weird interaction, which, you know, at the time, whatever. You know, Brad Marshawn wants to be juvenile about that stuff, whatever. But, like, it seems to indicate there's something more going on here. But, you know, obviously at the end of the day, like, you can't – you can't really, I mean, it's the NHL, sometimes you can, but for the most part, they don't like when you cold cock a guy after a play, but especially when it's a goalie um, and it kind of comes out of nowhere. I mean, look, I'll call it a sucker punch. I'm sure people in Boston wouldn't call it a sucker punch, but that's what I'll call it. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think the six-game ban is is pretty appropriate. Um you know, I, I wouldn't have expected them to do anything more than that. But, you know, less than five, I th- think, would have been a joke. So, um, yeah. And you know what? He's put his team in a real bad spot. Um, Bergeron is dealing with an injury. Rask retired yesterday, which the Rask thing is, you know, maybe more or less not as impactful considering he only played a couple games this year. But, um, like, he knows that Patrice Bergeron is in the, like, you know, is in the locker room dealing with something. Um, gotta be smarter than that. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really not like you said, Paul, I was steaming. I'm, I'm really not like, dude made his own bed. He's going to hurt his team pretty significantly with him and Bergeron set to miss some time. So way to be an idiot, Brad Marchant, like good on you. Yeah, it's, it's not news. It's something we've seen from him time and time again. And you wonder, you know, down the road, this guy has already got credentials that you could argue would be enough to put him in the Hall of Fame. But has he done kind of the same deal that that Barry Bonds did and Roger Clemens in baseball that really ticks some people off? And 
in the media and say, there's no way we're going to vote for him if, if we have the chance. And in the NHL, they have like a 17 or 18 person committee. And I'm sure there are people that are in there that are not fans of him and others that are. So it'll be a compelling situation years from now when he calls it a career. But uh, boy, oh boy, this guy will not ever learn or change his stripes. He's just that kind of guy. And I'm sure that out of the 31 teams, he hasn't probably made enemies in Seattle yet, but there's a lot of <laughs> fans in all the other cities who can say, you remember that time when he did this? He's kind of got a checklist where he's put marks by every single team, I think you could say. When I start to think about it, I can almost call up incidents involving a number of different clubs right off the top of my head. So uh, maybe he's got that intention, but uh, sure, sure not making a lot of fans that way. And uh, I, I think they got it right in terms of the punishment. Six games seems to be fair, given that this is his eighth time, I think, that he's been suspended in his career. And the stick doesn't need to be a part of any of the fouling. That, that goes on in the NHL, and he did it not once, but uh, but also with a punch uh, to the head. Like you said, Jari was not expecting that, and it was a clear shot, so uh, well-earned and uh, justified, in my opinion. And we'll get to the Boston notes shortly, but you're right. They kind of decimated that roster with uh, that incident and Bergeron situation. We'll come up to that shortly. Before we bad, bad Tuesday in Beantown, that's for sure. <laughs> that's true. That's true. And AJ, when we go through the lineups here, the statistics that we've, we've, we will call out relating to the player performances will cover the last two weeks because there was a bit of a gap in some of the schedules and a large gap for some some of the teams, but definitely a gap. So that's one reason why we didn't cover things off. And you were under the weather last week, but we got a full full show and a full list of news and notes. And hopefully, people take uh, care to listen to all that we come up with, and we'll put together our fantasy lineups later in the show. And I know we're continuing to, to drop some really hot lineups out there in that space. So a compelling listening right to the end. So why don't you kick us off with a look at the Anaheim Ducks partner? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, a really good week for the Ducks, uh, or two weeks rather, 2-0-2. Two, oh, two. Uh, obviously, you know, they they still don't have, uh, you know, Josh Manson with, uh, with a finger injury. Sonny Milano, Max Jones are both out as well. So they, they are dealing with some injuries, but they've powered through, um, again, with, you know, a really solid uh, couple of weeks of, of performance here. You've got you know, Ricard Raquel with two goals, Trevor Zegras with a pair of goals as, as well there. Um, Troy Terry racking up four points. So uh, not a lot to be too concerned about with this team as, as far as, you know, how it went. Um, they're in the thick of it here for, you know, for a spot in the playoffs. It's it's going to be – I think the West is going to be a tighter race just in general for uh, wild card spots, et cetera. I mean, you've got four teams – for sure in the central that are looking pretty good, including St. Louis, Dallas is right there with 50 points. Anaheim sitting in the top three right now, but Calgary's got a ton of games in hand. Edmonton's got a few games in hand. So it's, I think it's going to be a dogfight. but Anaheim, you know, in the last week, uh, despite those couple of injuries, putting themselves in a good spot to stay in the mix here, heading into the back half of the season. Well, you can't say the same about Arizona. They're going to battle with Montreal for the, Worst record in the NHL. Arizona, for their part, though, did come up with two wins in the last four. At the last six that they played, Montreal can't certainly say that at this point. The notes in Arizona maybe feature a lot of the on-off-ice stuff. They're talking about playing next year in a 5,000-seat stadium arena in, on Arizona State University property instead of a legit NHL arena. I don't know how that's going to sit well with the uh, 
Grand Cuba, Mr. Bettman, but uh, that might be the best option that they have there. In terms of what's going on on the ice, Alex Galchenyuk came from witness protection in the last couple of weeks, AJ, to record his first three goals of the season in his last four games. He's now playing a center role on their top line. I think that has a lot uh, on one of their scoring lines. That has a lot to do with his recent performance. He's playing with the big boys uh, such that they have, including Phil Kessel. That's a big part of the reason for his recent success. And you wonder if they're kind of grooming him for a move out the door at the trade deadline. Certainly the same can be said for Kessel. Uh, They're on uh, expiring contracts, both players, and uh, Kessel's particularly is a big ticket item, but I think a team that can get him might not have to pay too much, but will take on the portion of his salary that remains. And uh, I think there are a number of teams that should take a look at Phil the Thrill as a reasonable fill-in to bring some depth to their rosters. In terms of other scoring, uh, Lawson Krause is a guy that also is an expiring contract, but I don't see any way that that Arizona doesn't look at this guy and, and see him as one of the key pieces of their future. So they got to turn around and find a way to lock this guy up and convince him to stay. Uh, Clayton Keller is in the fold for a while, I think, too. And he picked up six points to lead the pack in the last two weeks. So there are some talents here in a, in a team that can really – I've used the term – pesky uh, in messages between you and me about a couple of teams. This is certainly one that applies. And uh, one of the big reasons why is Carol Himelka in Himelka in, in goal has performed heroically, AJ. He's played a lot of minutes for this club and I've watched him a few times and he's a very acrobatic goalie and does everything that he can to keep this club in the game. He just faces way too many shots too many times. And that's really why the goals against is inflated a little bit, but uh, he's a very interesting piece that they have there. And I think a legit guy when they start to build this team out uh, to consider him as a number one goalie that's viable there. Well, we already kind of touched on Boston here. Um, you know, obviously Marchant going to miss the next six games, uh, but Patrice Bergeron suffered what appeared to be a head injury and that's a concern for a guy with a concussion history. Uh, I mentioned Tuka Rask retired. Again, I don't think that has a huge impact on them. It was only a handful of games that he was back. Um, so they'll continue to roll with Linus Holmark and, and Jeremy Swayman here. For me, the concern is not so much the top line for, for this club. I mean, obviously, Marshawn and, and Bergeron are generational talents alongside you know David Pasternak as well, but... Uh, Taylor Hall and Eric Halla, I think, can fit in admirably. Um, they're again, they're not the same, but they can fill in, and, and they give Boston still a really solid first line. I mean, Pasternak in those last four games they've had has four goals and three assists. Taylor Hall with four points in that stretch as well. But I think the problem for them becomes the depth. And you look, you know, now you've got a second line of Jake DeBrusque, Charlie Coyle, and Craig Smith, which I think ideally would be a third line for, for this team. Um, so it's, it's going to hurt their depth. I, I mentioned this when we were on DraftKings earlier today, Paul, that, you know, for, if you're looking at ways to, you know, deploy against Carolina or against Boston rather in, you know, in DFS and in other contests as well, look at targeting the second line of, of opposing teams. And in this case tonight, that, it, that would be Carolina. So, um, that's my concern for them is is the depth obviously being uh, significantly shortened. There's no clear indication of how long they're going to be without Bergeron. So um, something to keep an eye on there as well. 
Well, and in Buffalo, uh, we've talked a lot about uh, the fact that a couple of guys have rehabilitated their images this season, Jeff Skinner and Kyla Pozo. They've both turned things around from what we've seen most recently. Can you imagine where this team would be if they didn't? Because they have had a lengthy injury list for a long time this year. They're still missing a trio of guys that would be in the mix offensively, including Zembius Gergensen, Benny Herstroza, and Drake Kajula. But uh, they have managed to put together a couple of credible scoring lines, and they're getting Peyton Krebs in there, uh, a look at third-line center. So uh, fans of the Sabres are getting a glimpse of the future. Uh, one of the pieces that we talked about in glowing terms early in the season, though, was Victor Olison, and he's all but fallen off the map, partner, and he's now relegated to third-line minutes on the right-hand side behind Tuck and Akposo. He hasn't been able to find the range in the last 10 games or so, and so he's lost a lot of minutes there, and uh, his profile's taken a bit of a hit. When we saw him as one of the centerpieces of this club, it ain't so right now. In Carolina, things just seem to continue rolling along. They've had a, a little bit of a um, injury concern the last couple of games. Tivo Teravainen was out of action for their last four contests, and he's been repeatedly called a, a game-time decision. Uh, that appears to be the case again heading into tonight's contest, but it does Uh, He practiced on that top line, and so there's more kind of factors that seem to indicate he's going to play, which is good news for them and fantasy players in general when you consider he's got nine points in his last ten games, five of those coming on the power play for them. Uh, So they'll get a boost, and and look, to be honest, this is probably a team that at least needs a boost offensively right now. Andrei Sveshnikov, three goals in the last five Vincent Trocek, three points over that stretch. Tony D'Angelo with three points. There's really everything seems to be ticking for them well. Freddie Anderson continues his run of strong play here between the pipes. So uh, Carolina looking like the team to potentially, you know, take home the Metro. Uh, I, I would never say any team's going to cruise to a Metro division title because that that division is so tight. But uh, Carolina has a couple games in hand and is already sitting in first place here. AJ, in Calgary, it's a tale of uh, two, uh, two halves of this lineup. The top half is on fire, and the bottom half is, is missing in action. When you consider that Sean Monaghan has been in and out of the doghouse all season long, seems like he's back in there playing about 12 minutes in the last three or four games, and he's flanked by Dylan Dubé and Brett Ritchie, neither of whom has scored in the last two months. So uh, I, I think you can call that the helicopter line. And Monaghan's got to be wondering, what the heck do I do to improve my lot here? Really, it's because the two guys ahead of him, Elias Lindholm and Michael Backlund, are leading the offensive charge, really, when you can say the Lindholm line, particularly with Chuck and Gaudreau, might be the hottest line in the past month in, in the entire NHL. And then uh, Manjapani and Blake Coleman have chipped in regularly to surround Macklin with scoring opportunities. But beyond that, they're wanting here. And uh, even though they won seven of their last ten, I have some questions about this team. Uh, the questions are not on defense when you consider they got a four-pack of top guys that you can build a team around back there with Hannafin, Shillington, Anderson doing well much of the season, and Chris Tanada has picked up his play of late, too. And uh, in goal, Jacob Marshall. Nobody's talking about this, AJ, but the all-time record for shutouts in the NHL for a single season is 15 by Tony Esposito in the 69-70 campaign. Marshall registered his eighth of the year last night in only thir- like 39 starts or something like this. So he's on pace to, to challenge that uh, record that I thought would be untouchable, particularly in an era where we're seeing more scoring now once again. So kudos to him, but... Uh, 
he has to play because Daniel Blatter has, has lost his game. He's only played twice in the last six weeks, I think, and got bombed both times. So they're a little reluctant to, to hand the ball off to him right now with Markstrom with playing with such a hot hand. Well, Paul, I'll lead that discussion of shutouts into uh, talk about the active goaltending leader in shutouts in the NHL right now, and that's Mark andre Fleury, who's got uh, 70 of them to his to his credit here. Things haven't been going quite as well this year for, for the Flower. Um, you know, he was on a, a three-game losing streak, did pick up a win in his most recent performance. I think part of the issue, you know, uh, are, are there games where certainly you would expect Flurry to play better? Absolutely. But you look at the last five contests and he's faced 30 or more shots in, in four of those, including 41 that the Oilers put on him. Uh, he managed to only allow one of those to go in. But, you know, there's just not enough talent, uh, in my opinion, around him right now, especially when Jonathan Taves is out of the lineup with a concussion. Of course, he another player that's got a concussion history. Tyler Johnson still hasn't returned, uh, you know, under, after undergoing the, the same neck surgery as Jack Eichel. Um, they're just, you know, there's not enough guys on this team that we've seen this in, you know, last year. Patrick Kane is a phenomenal player. He had two goals and in, in three assists in the last five games, and they've got some youngsters with a little bit of talent, but um, it's not a deep enough team, uh, in my opinion, at least, to, to get where they need to go. And Patrick Kane simply – can't carry the Chicago club by himself. I, I mean, I wouldn't expect him to either. Um, he can only do so much. Uh, and so I would expect at some point, you know, this team will start selling off some pieces. Fleury's name will obviously be on the list when you consider he's got, uh, he's in the last year of a, of a deal here. Um, you know, maybe some partial rentals, uh, you know, Calvin DeHaan, maybe somebody looking for a little bit of a shutdown, uh, option there with him so there'll there'll be some trade pieces i think that ship out of uh, chicago uh, at the deadline here in columbus they had a winning couple of weeks aj they went three and two Eunice corpusello was front and center with three games played and two wins uh, along the way but alongside him patrick line has started to catch fire we haven't talked about him much if at all this season and in terms of positive news, but six goals and three helpers over that five-game stretch. So good on him for for picking up his offensive pace and reminding people that, hey, I was a legit second draft pick overall in the 2016 draft, which featured Austin Matthews, of course. And uh, so he's kind of rehabilitated his image of late, and it's in large part to the chemistry he's formed with Boone Jenner. When I looked into Boone Jenner's background, uh, AJ, earlier today, I thought, here's a guy who signed long-term at about $3.5 million. It's only this year where he's starting to even play up to that level. Uh, in previous years, his production was waning. His, he had injury issues, but he's certainly uh, almost on a career-best pace right now. And the shooting percentages is right right there at a career best too at almost 16%. So he's really turned it up a notch and uh, the offensive fortunes have, have turned around and he's also got Gustav Nyquist on, on the other wing. So it's a very credible first line that uh, they've cobbled together. And with Roslovic in full, he's been nothing but steady uh, in terms of a second line presence here. So their offense is starting to take a little bit of shape. I know they're way out of the running in terms of, competing for a division playoff spot. You indicated that earlier quite rightly, but there are some reasons for optimism here. And I wonder with Mercer Lickens' recent struggles, 
he was a guy that kind of controlled the net for, for most of the season, but recently giving up 17 goals against in his last three starts, opened the door for Corpus Allo, who at the same time has come off wins in his last two starts. So you might see a bit of a changing of the guard in the nets here in Columbus in terms of goalie share. For Colorado, it was a solid two-week stretch, 3-0-1 there, and that's without Nathan McKinnon in their last three games due to uh, a nose injury combined with a concussion. He's going to sit out tonight, but we do have a clearer picture. Uh, McKinnon expected to return on Saturday, so that or Sunday, rather, so that's a good step in the right direction for them. Look, you want to talk about a team firing on all cylinders, the Avalanche haven't lost a game in regulation since December 16th. Um, just a, a ridiculous stretch. They've only lost two games, uh, one in a shootout and one in overtime uh, since that that most recent loss. So, I mean, you're talking about a point in every single game that they have played in calendar year 2022. Um, and to continue to do it without McKinnon, has been, uh, you know, really a credit to to their team here. So, you know, they're in it to win it this year, I think, Paul. I, you know, if it doesn't turn out this year, um, I think at some point it's, you know, they're going to find themselves in a cap situation where they're going to have to, you know, tear some, some pieces apart. Uh, not that they want to, but just to get them there. I mean, you talk Burkowski, Kadri, uh, Nanushkin, uh, all these guys – our RFAs at the end of the year and, and are going to be probably hard to get back at their current price tags. So um, Colorado needs to pull it off this year. Getting McKinnon back on Sunday is going to help them just keep rolling. Um, but really, I mean, let's be honest with this team, we are talking about the postseason. you know, whatever happens between here and the rest of the regular season, they'll continue to pile up wins, pile up points. Um, but it, it needs to happen for them at the end of the year. In Dallas, this is a team that's gone six and four in their last ten games, trying to close the gap like Columbus hopes to in in their division. But the two teams ahead of Dallas are doing even better than that. So they're they're left to wonder what the heck can we do about this year? Well, maybe not nothing, but they have to figure out for next year what are they gonna do with a guy like Joe Pavelska, if he wants to stick around, he's done certainly enough to merit another contract. He's had a, a fabulous year, AJ, but the cap hit will have to come down from the seven plus that he's getting paid this year, I do think. And then right behind him, Alex Radulov, his fortunes have gone the other, completely the other way. He's got a minus 16. He's got, ended a long goalless stroke last week, but playing on right wing on the third line. Looks like he's nearing the end of the line in terms of his expiring 6 and 6.25 cap hit. So uh, I think there's a, a bit of introspection going on in Dallas. I mean, they have some nice pieces there. Certainly the young forwards uh, like Robertson and Gurianov are coming along and Sagan and Ben still are in the primes of their careers, I think. So a nice mix offensively. Defensively, they got some great depth. Klingberg and Lindell scoring as well as defending of late with three assists each in the last couple of weeks, uh, handling the offensive part of, of things from the back end. Uh, but uh, this team's in a very tough division, and uh, they'll have to use their money wisely if uh, some of the big dollars come off the, the boards next year. In the Motor City, Paul, things, uh, as you said, they, they are trying their best to really hunt down that that playoff spot. And, and while I don't necessarily think they'll get there, um, stranger things have happened uh, this last week, they went three and two, a really kind of disappointing week by, by Nadelkovich here. Two and two is the record, eight, nine, seven 
is the save percentage. Calvin Picard got one look and had a nine four seven. I don't think the answer is to give more workload to to Calvin Picard here. So if if they think um, you know Thomas Grice is is still working his way you know back to one hundred percent after dealing with COVID issues, getting him back in the lineup would certainly help. Um, but they may have to consider making a move for a netminder if they decide that they want to try and get back in the playoffs uh, for for the first time in in a really long time. Offensively, they seem to be putting things together. Dylan Larkin, four goals and four assists in their last five games. Robbie Fabry with four points. Tyler Bertuzzi, you would maybe want a little bit more out of him, but still two goals and one assist in five games is is pretty decent. And in terms of the injury front too, they're going to get they're nearing a return for a couple of pieces. Carter Rowney has been practicing. Jacob Vrana is still a little bit away. Troy Stetcher has been practicing. Um, so if they can get some of these guys back to fill out, you know, more depth roles, obviously none of these guys, maybe Vrana would fit in a top six spot, but um, mostly depth, depth guys. But if they can get that and, you know, put some of these AHL guys back in the minors where they should be, um, maybe maybe things aren't completely dead in the water uh, for uh, the Detroit Red Wings. Well, and in Edmonton, they are underwater, AJ. Uh, I mean, I called it on the BK show yesterday morning when I said if they lose another game, they are going to be changing coaches. They actually pulled the shoot on Dave Tippett, and they replaced him with their AHL coach, by the name of Jay Woodcroft. So they went into their system to pull him up. And all the rumors that I was hearing was look out for Mike Babcock and a reunion with him and his former Detroit GM in the front office there. I thought that was a natural fit, but uh, we sadly we aren't going to get that headline and uh, the the great clips that would come out of that. But uh, <laughs> no others at the same time as all this misery has fallen their way, they can at least point to the fact that on the left side of their offense, things look, better with the addition of Evander Kane. He has made an inter- a nice debut with a pair of goals, pair of helpers in five games alongside Connor McDavid and Zach Hyman on that top line. And Ryan Nugent Hopkins came out of the infirmary to solidify a second unit that has Dreisaitl and Yamamoto there. You'd figure with a six-pack like that going forward, their fortunes should change. And I think they will if they can only find somebody who could stop the puck. If they don't, things are going to be status quo because uh, but, uh, while uh, Miko Koskinen was sidelined with injury, Mike Swift came back from injury. He played back-to-back games. The guy's 40 years old. He gave up a total of eight goals, and the save percentage just wasn't there in either game. So they, they have to hope that they can find somebody at the trade deadline. And uh, I can think of a couple of goalies that will be dangled there. So we'll see if Edmonton finds a way to pull the trigger on something by then. But this is a team that's going to be spinning its wheels until they find a way to straighten things out on the back half of the puck. Uh, Tyson Berry getting $4.5 million and not living up to that end of that contract. He had a fantastic year last year, but one of the biggest drop-offs of any player this season. He's got a huge minus, and the points have been way down too. So uh, that these are all issues that are that are uh, linked an, uh, an anchor to the fortunes of the Oilers this season. If Edmonton is spinning their wheels, Florida is twiddling their thumbs. They have not played since February 1st before the All-Star break, and they're not going to until February 16th. Just a weird tweak of the schedule, the fact they didn't have a ton of canceled games that they needed to reschedule here. Um, they're, they're getting a full two weeks off before they play again. 
Um, not a great reintroduction for them when they come back as they're, you know, among their first four games, they're going to get Carolina, Minnesota, and Nashville. So a bunch of playoff teams right off the hop. But before the injury, or, or I'm sorry, before the break, rather, they're getting decent production out of out of a handful of guys here. Mason Marchment went off for nine points in four games. You got to love that kind of depth scoring uh, from your team. If if you're a Florida Panthers fan, Huberto with six points, Barkov with three goals and three assists as well. So it's not just kind of the deeper guys that are producing. Yeah, maybe you'd look at Bobrovsky's save percentage in the last two games at 8.86 and, and have a little bit of a concern there. But the fact of the matter is he got wins in both of those contests. So he'll continue to carry the heavy workload for them. They do have, obviously, Spencer Knight waiting in the wings uh, should they need him. But I would expect we'll see plenty of Bob coming out of this two-week break, and and we'll we'll see what it does for them in terms of, you know, what sort of level that they're at. But, again, you know, you look back, Bobrovsky 11-1-1 in his last 13 contests. Again, yeah, maybe a little bit of a blip in the radar when you consider he gave up four goals in three of his last four uh, games here. But overall, when you have the offense behind you, you don't need to be perfect. And, and certainly Bobrovsky has been good enough of late. And in L.A., they've got a lot of changes going on, and mostly for the good. They have three 0-1 since uh, in over the last two weeks. They're another team that hasn't played for a while, though, since February 2nd. In fact, they're next up on February 15th as well. Seems like the warm weather clubs did, uh, did best uh, out of this part of the schedule, A.J., enjoying the, the benefits of being in those locales and uh, not having to make up too many games. Cal Peterson is a guy that was a bit of an afterthought in the Nets here, but he played two games over the last two weeks and kind of rehabbed his image, allowing only a total of five goals against and picking up a couple of wins. So maybe he's there finally going to help Jonathan Quick and share the bit of the load here going forward. And uh, things are looking up offensively because of uh, – you know, one of the things that really helped them is Trevor Moore has really started to score again, five points over his last four games played, and he solidified his spot on the second line. And that's despite the fact that Andreas Afanasiu came off the IR, and he has now been slotted in a third line role on the left wing to kind of stretch that roster depth. And he's been paired with rookie Quinton Byfield to give this team a much deeper offensive look than it's had in years. And I'm excited to see what whether they can maintain this this look because it's it's good for them because in the past it was like first line and Anze Kopitar and what do you do after that but uh, stretching the roster and getting production from up and down the lineup Kempis picked up uh, three points in his last couple of games Dano three points his last four games so they're getting scoring there and even on defense Drew Doughty was thought to be the only offensive piece back there but Sean Dersey, uh, a guy they acquired in a trade with Toronto about a year and a half ago, has been given an opportunity to play top four minutes, and he's producing very steadily on the back end to give them a credible second option and a guy who can spell Doughty in some of the offensive zone starts and give this team still a threatening look in that circumstance. In the state of hockey, the Wild went 3-1 and one over the last two weeks, powered by two wins from Cam Talbot, which included a shutout performance. And look, we've been talking a lot, and uh, rightfully so, about Kirill Kaprasov. I mean, he's ninth in the league in scoring, having a fan, just a fantastic season. But what I don't think is getting enough credit is a guy like Matt Zuccarello right now, 
42 points in 36 games to start the year, an astronomical rate of production. And, you know, barring some sort of uh, significant injury or huge drop off in production, you're talking about a guy that at this point looks like he's going to cruise to a career best year. Uh, his highest point total came back in 2015-16 with the Rangers. He put up 61 that year. And, you know, with the number of games that they have left in hand, he should easily get there based on what they're doing. This this top line here has been really solid for them. Uh, they added some production out of Kevin Fiala, who's riding, you know, just recently, uh, in fact, uh, on Tuesday, saw an extended run of 12 games uh, with a point come to an end on Tuesday uh, in that 2-0 loss to, to Winnipeg, which, you know, Connor Hellybuck is still one of the best netminders in the league, even if his numbers haven't been great. So they got Fiala back here and, and really rolling for them well um, and, and giving them depth scoring options here. If you want to be picky about this team, you know, maybe the third line, uh, or especially the fourth line needs a little bit to be desired, but you've got some young up and comers and Matthew Boldy and, and Connor Dewar who are really stepping into bigger roles. And again, they're getting solid net mining, mostly from Cam Talbot. Um, you know, I, I would have, again, as I've said all year, I would have expected a, a more even share of the workload, but they're giving it to Talbot and, and he's earning it. He's got three wins in his last three games while giving up, uh, just a 1.13 goals against average in that stretch. AJ in Montreal, it's uh, change is happening every day, it seems. And uh, their seven-game winless streak is the one that's current right now. And they've moved uh, on to new coach and assistant general manager. When you think about these guys and their playing career, you wonder if they might be playing coach and playing assistant. <laughs> talking about Marty St. Louis and Vinny LeCavalier. You're better than what they have on the ice right now. They're not, too, they're not too many years removed from the last time they played in the NHL. So I, I don't know. We'll see a surprising development there. But on the ice, the news uh, is is still dismal here. In the goaltending situation, Jake Allen will be out for two months with a lower body injury. So it's Caden Primo and Samuel Moultonbow until further notice. I would charge the rest of the roster with aggravated assault if I was a goalie here. That's that's really the issue. They just can't seem to defend their end of the ice. And they have some talent up front. Tyler Toffoli picked up four points in the last couple of weeks. Arturi Lekkanen, four points as well. Nick Suzuki is probably having uh, a, a, as good a season as you could have under this uh, under the dark cloud that seems to have followed this team all season long. Cole Caulfield is nowhere to be found, though, and that's a bit of a concern, big concern, I should say, AJ. And I know you're a big fan of this youngster. Who wouldn't be? He had such a great career at the U of W, and, uh, and uh, we expected such big things from him after his outstanding playoff last year, but it hasn't turned out that way. Now they're talking about which pieces do they retain and who wants to who wants to stay. And these are the kinds of discussions that are going on. But one name that has surfaced as one that's likely to go out the door is Tyler Toffoli. He's got a, a relatively friendly cap hit that's under $5 million a year for a couple more seasons, I think. And I think this guy brings all kinds of skill and all kinds of leadership to the table. And I think there should be a long lineup of suitors should he really be uh, ticketed to lead the Canadians. For the Devils, uh, look, they're they're in the hunt there for bottom of, of the standings. And they uh, haven't done themselves any favors in their last 10 games going 2-8-0. 
but their most recent performance was a win, a 7-0 or 7-1 rather drubbing of Montreal, which as you mentioned, Paul, led to the coaching change there. I think any team uh, at this point that loses to the Devils, the bench boss might want to watch out for some pink slips uh, coming the next day. And part of that is that their starting netminder right now is John Gillies. Uh, due to Blackwood uh, being out and Bernier being done for the year. He's 2-5-0 and oh in his last eight appearances, and they don't have any options. Uh, they're going to continue to use him uh, at this point. They have Nico Dawes, 21-year-old netminder, um, but in terms of long-term outlook, I, I would be hesitant to just throw him to the Wolves if you're hoping that he's going to be um, you know, the, the potential netminder into the future for you. Um, and just unfortunately just going to have to ride the wave of John Gillies at this point. As, as I mentioned, you know, nine games for the Devils this year, the most games he'd, he'd only played 13 in the rest of his NHL career. So seeing way more workload than, than he's used to, and I wouldn't expect things to get any better for them. fact is they're still missing Jack Hughes, uh, who uh, remains in the COVID protocols for at least a little bit longer. Dougie Hamilton still out with that that jaw injury. Miles Wood has been out for a while, not expected back until March from the hip problem. So even some of the kind of up and coming players that they have, not that Dougie Hamilton's an up and comer, but um, you know Wood, Hughes, even Tyce Thompson, some of these younger guys that could make a, a, a bigger impact into the future are are out of the lineup. So it's really stretching an already pretty thin. Uh, team and and yeah the net mining ultimately is the biggest problem here in nashville aj this is a team that's in second in their division but you wouldn't look you wouldn't think it the way they've been playing of late they've lost six of their last 10 if you count the overtime losses in that period and they're really hitching their cart to the uc saros here his name shouldn't be saros it should be workhorse he's played all but one of their last 16 games and uh, I think it's starting to wear on him. That's just my take. And you wonder if that's going to translate to a tough grind for them the rest of the season. I don't like what they've done in terms of shuffling up their offense. They've kind of loaded up on the top line, which is formidable when you consider Granlund, one of the better puck distributors in the league between Duchesne and Forsberg, who are both having very nice seasons. But beyond that trio, it gets a little thin very fast. They've kind of got... One scoring option on the second line with Ryan Johansson having a nice year himself. Luke Coonan has cooled off. And then on the third line, you look at Tanner Janot. He's kind of carrying that unit. And on the fourth line, Eli Tolvanen, back from COVID protocols, is kind of carrying that group. I think definitely they should put Tolvanen up higher in the lineup, maybe in threatening second line opportunity that Nick Cousins currently has. Cousins is not a top six forward in this league and hasn't been for much of his career, in my opinion. Certainly not a not a high-end one anyway. Uh, and then on the defensive side of the puck, they're still without Mark Borowicki and Matt Benning, both listed day-to-day, but they still have enough depth to produce a top four. That's pretty interesting. I, I like the development of Dante Fabro. He's getting a prime opportunity alongside Roman Yossi, and the plus-minus has been there. The points are starting to rack up, so we're starting to see him take the next step, and I, I'd like to see them shuffle up that, that forward complement, though, to a different mix, and I think then they could better defend their second-place spot in that division. On Long Island, it was a two-and-three week for them. Uh, and look, you know, you look at the two wins they came against Vancouver and Ottawa. So uh, not necessarily top teams in, in the league that they're 
um, you know, that they're getting their wins against. I think it's interesting. It does seem to uh, continue to be a little bit more of the Ilya Sorokin show, just just a shade. I mean, they'll go every other for a while, and then Sorokin will play two. And they'll go every other for a while, and Sorokin will play two. So um, they are shading a little bit in his favor in terms of the, the workload here. But for the most part, him and Varlamov are, are splitting the crease. Uh, you know, Varlamov, uh, Varlamov rather, um, 0.932 save percentage in his last week. Uh, so certainly decent numbers, um, good enough, but picked up losses in both of those contests. So you have to look to the offense there as part of the problem. Uh, and, you know, Matthew Barzell, three goals in five games, hard to blame him. But a guy like Anthony Bolivier, two points in the last five games. Josh Bailey, just one point. Jean-Gabriel Pajot, who we've talked about not, you know, really producing at the same level as he had in previous seasons, just one assist in his last five as well. So um, this team is rapidly finding itself on the outside of a playoff spot here, which is a little bit of a surprise. You know, they've been such a solid, like, defensive team not having to rely too much on their offense being able to shut other teams down and you have to wonder if that heavy heavy road schedule to start the year you know even with some time off here is is catching up with them Um, they've got still a ton of home games coming up but those are going to have to be played on a pretty tight schedule I mean there's a number of situations in March here where they've got three games in four days or, or some similar um combination of of heavy heavy goes in in march if even when games are at home when you're playing that much it's it's going to add up for you you know aj i'm kind of glad that the new york rangers came up on my rotation right after i kind of panned the nashville lineup and it kind of illustrates the point i was trying to make there they have the top two lines there featuring a couple of pairs of guys that are carrying those units and they're doing it a great job. Chris Kreider leading the NHL in goal scoring. Mika Zibanejad, one of the better playmaking centers who can score at will, it seems, himself. They're playing alongside Alexi Lafreniere, who's getting a great chance to really get his feet wet in the NHL. This guy's uber-skilled as well. It just He just hasn't made that next step yet in his development, but he will. He's very talented, and he's getting a great opportunity alongside these two guys. And on the second line, you've got Artemi Panarin, who's who has been very much underpriced in DFS in the last few weeks, despite the fact that he's been on such a great scoring tear, again, alongside Ryan Strom, who was an underrated center, but a strong one and well-placed in the second line here. And they can afford to put a guy like Dryden Hunt in on the right wing there and uh, hope that he can be a defensive conscience there while the the other two guys play off one another. So they they are missing three youngsters, uh, one long-term in semi-blade, but Capo Caco and Philip. Heedle will threaten for uh, opportunities, maybe in Dryden Hunt's space is vulnerable if these two guys can get back in the lineup. On defense, I love the development that I'm seeing of of Andre Miller. He's another guy like Fabro who's taken a next step in his development early in his career, and he's getting a great place to do it right alongside Adam Fox. So uh, a lot of good news developments out of New York, but they'll even be better when uh, a couple of youngsters come off the IR. Paul, I love when you can toss in a, a UW-Wisconsin reference there by, by mentioning Keandre Miller without even trying. Uh, I've clearly been training you up well to, to talk about uh, UW-Madison here, so good to see that it's working. Uh, for the Ottawa Senators, look, I've, I've probably been a little harsh on them at times throughout, throughout the season. You look at their last 10 games, 
five, three, and two. They've won their last two. Um, they're not a playoff team, and I, I think that's maybe why um, I've been maybe a little harsh on them. But they are playing better, and they're not necessarily an easy out. I mean, you look at their – over the last two weeks, they played six games. They went three, two, and one, five points out of Nick Paul, five out of Brady to Chuck. Uh, Nick Holden and Thomas Shabbat both chipping in four packs. Tim Susley with three points as well. And, you know, a guy who seems to maybe have found something here, Matt Murray, undefeated in regulation in his last seven outings. 5-0-2 is the record of 1.82 goals against average. Um, so he's playing way better than he was earlier in the season. Uh, you know, has still been splitting the workload with uh, Anton Forsberg. And if I'll be honest with you, based on when he had success in Pittsburgh, I, I think that's the best thing for him. Um, I think he can be a good goalie. He's shown that. He's obviously a two-time Stanley Cup winner. I'm just not sure he's like, you know, a 55-game, 60-game every night starter. Um, so if you can have somebody paired up with him to split the workload, keep him closer to a 45 or, or maybe 50 games, um, I think it's going to work better for them. So, um, and that that would be if I were running the Senators right now, I, I would keep splitting the workload between him and Forsberg, if only to keep Murray kind of fresh, because it seems to suit him much better to be part of a tandem than to try and carry the load himself. You know, uh, Carter Hart's been carrying a larger share of the load lately in Philadelphia, and he was doing it quite successfully. He had a run about eight starts where he allowed three or less in each of those outings, but there was an oopsie the other night against Detroit where he gave up five on 30, uh, 33 shots. So, uh, again, there's a bit of a spocky and eyebrow in this corner about what, what kind of consistency can they get out of him long term. Certainly, the situation in Philadelphia is is hampered by the fact that their offense has been decimated by injury much of the season. They're missing frontliners like Sean Couturier and Joel Farabee and, and uh, supporters like supported players like Nate Thompson and Patrick Brown, Kevin Hayes. So that's four or five regulars out of the forward mix. And then defensively, they lost Rasmus Ristolainen in that Detroit game as well. So really having a tough time keeping things afloat here. And uh, it doesn't help when a guy like James Van Riemsdyk is not having any kind of a year close to what they expect him to do on a regular basis. And they're looking now at a situation where they have to put Scott Lawton into a second-line center role. That's not going to help matters either. So uh, Van Riemsdyk and Travis Connecting, though, they're two of the bigger disappointments around the league in terms of the scoring production that has been left wanting in Philadelphia. And it's only made worse by the fact that they have such a sketchy defense and goalie situation there too. So AJ, that uh, takes us to the time in every episode where we take a bit of a break and give our sponsors a chance to chirp and uh, strut their stuff. So we'll uh, step aside here on the podcast with Statsman and AJ until you can get a word from these sponsors and we'll be back right after this to hear AJ wax poetic about the Pittsburgh Penguins. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. All right, we're back. And uh, before we go on, let's uh, get AJ to remind our listeners how they can reach us during the course of the week. Yeah, absolutely. We are always intrigued to hear your questions uh, about your teams or, or really about any topic in general over on Twitter. Um, you know, we had some good questions this week. If you've ever wondered how best to find us on the DraftKings show that we allude to, um, Twitter is another great way to, to find that show. Um, if you're interested in some soccer coverage, I've been sharing some of that lately that I've that I've started uh, doing some more of with with RotoWire as well. So all of that stuff, uh, both our interactions with you 
um, as well as, you know, some of the other stuff that we're doing for Rotowire. You can find on Twitter, follow me at AJSholes24. That's A-J-S-C-H-O-L-Z24. And you can follow Paul at Statsman22. Again, we, we welcome any questions at all that you have, um, as well as, you know, just seeing what else we're up to in the, the fantasy world here. Yeah, AJ, if I can interject, I didn't get a chance to pump up something I did on the weekend, and I didn't tell you about it, but I was on with a, a friend of mine in the industry, Ray Flowers, who runs a show on the Fantasy Channel on XM Sirius, and uh, he called me on Saturday night and said, hey, you want to talk some hockey? I said, sure, let's do it. And uh, that goes coast to coast along the United States, and uh, they promised to have me back there regularly. I'll try and give uh, advance notice to our listenership. It's just another way you can find the pearls of wisdom that we're dropping here, there, and everywhere. So our... our uh, our dream is to get bigger than we are, and uh, it's the support of opportunities like this that's making it happen. Thanks to our friends at DraftKings in a big way for paving that road for us for the next little while. Now, let's talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins, buddy. There were 1-1-3 one, one, and three in that last couple of weeks, and uh, plenty of good news when you consider Malkin is healthy and rolling along. Crosby, same thing. Gunsell having a great season, and Latang turning back the clock as well. But tell me what else is happening. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, there was a bit of a rough stretch there. You know, you mentioned the record, 1-1-3, one, one, and three, technically four losses in a row, but they did pick up points in, in three of those games. I do think the turning point was uh, in that overtime loss to Washington. It just seemed like the team had a little bit something else going there. Um, and I think you saw that in the game against Boston, that they were able to come out, kind of break that that losing slump, get the win there. Uh, obviously, you know, Pittsburgh has had to unfortunately play another couple games without Malkin, who's in the COVID uh, protocols. They missed him against Boston. They won't. He's out of the protocols. But unfortunately, because of the Canadian border crosser, he won't be able to play for them in Ottawa tonight. But he is expected to link up with the team as they head to New Jersey um, after that game there. So, do have to play one more here without Malkin, uh, which means Jeff Carter gets a bigger role there. Um, Evan Rodriguez moves into the power play spot. So just some kind of tips there in terms of, of DFS lineup building. Uh, guys going to play roles that they normally wouldn't. Uh, as far as, like you said, Paul, you know, the, the top guys here on this team are doing exactly what you would expect them to do. You know, you mentioned uh, Jake Gensel. He's sitting uh, up, uh, you know, 12th in the league right now in goals with 23. Obviously, uh, a little bit off the pace that you mentioned of Chris Kreider, but certainly a fantastic season for him. Uh, should, you know, be able to reach uh, that 40-point mark. The the power play really took a jump forward with Malcolm back, and that's why you're seeing, you know, those last five games, your top producers were Brian Rust, Evgeny Malkin, Sidney Crosby, Jake Gunsell, Chris Letang, the entire top power play unit there. Um, they got some scoring against Boston out of Danton Heinen, which is something they hadn't had for a while. And that is the concern for this team moving forward, I think, is the depth scoring outside of those top six guys. Can they get production from guys like Brock McGinn, Kasperi Kapanen? Uh, you know, even I'll, I'll throw Jeff Carter's name in there because ideally he would be, you know, anchoring that third line um, with Malkin back in there. So, Depth scoring is going to be the question mark for them. Backup net mining, also a question. We'll see what that looks like tonight. Casey DeSmith going to get the start 
over Tristan Jari, uh, just to give Jari a, a night off after that punch to the face. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens after that. And AJ in Seattle, they've gone five and five in their last 10 games played, but they're still 14 points behind anybody in their division. So really last place is their destiny in, in what is a typical expansion season. But this has not been without some development in some parts here that will be here beyond this season, they hope. And one is Jared McCann. And I'm still kind of ticked that he kind of slipped through the least fingers after they acquired him at the beginning of the season. And uh, he's now a, you and me both, Paul. You and me both. <laughs> exactly. We've, we've complimented him for years in terms of where he fit on the Pittsburgh roster and, and how important a piece he was there to their fortunes. But you can't keep everybody when the expansion teams come calling and the, the roster choices are limited that way. But uh, kudos to him for having a fine year there. Jordan Everly has been colder than than he was earlier in the season, but he retains a top spot on the right wing. It's left wing on that line that I that I wonder, Marcus Johansson miscast in that role. I think there are better options there. You, you need more of a trigger man that, uh, with a lot more speed than he brings to the table. He's more of a power play specialist, and he's played down in the rosters of, of teams where he's been in the past, mostly Washington, I suppose. And I'd like to see them give Ryan Donato and Mason Appleton a promotion on that flank. Donato is a guy who's been troubled by injury in his career and uh, – a lineup ahead of him in Boston that certainly created this opportunity that he has now in Seattle. So opportunities like that are things that he should he should be given more of a chance. And Appleton too, rather than a known entity like Johansson, who quite frankly is playing out the end of a a, a contract, and he'll be dealt at the trade deadline. So I again, this is kind of the second time I've taken issue with a couple of the composition of a couple of teams here and the. The, the Seattle club has to t- get do a better evaluation of, of their players in the best situations as the season winds down because they've got a lot of players on expiring contracts and they got to figure it out to create the second version of this team heading into next season. Before I dive into San Jose, Paul, I do want to circle back on some news that just came across here uh, that we had kind of been waiting for. Minnesota's Marcus Foligno going to be suspended for two games for a kneeing incident against Winnipeg's Adam Lowry. So that'll obviously uh, stretch the depth of the Minnesota Wild a little bit here. Um, but they, I think, at least in my opinion, are, are able to handle it with, with the guys that they have. But did want to touch on that since it just came across. For the San Jose Sharks, they're another team that's going to be sitting uh, watching hockey for an extended chunk of time here. Their last game was February 1st. They don't play again until the 14th. A um, little bit easier reintroduction, depending on what you think of Edmonton and, and Vancouver um, for the Sharks. But ultimately, I think most games are going to be a tough one for them. And the concern for me is obviously their their recent run of you know production here. Um, in their last three games, they are led by Rudolph's Balsers as their leading point producer, um, tied with Nick Benino as well. Um, you can imagine the ga- names that are missing from this list that you would prefer to have up top in Logan Couture, Brent Burns, uh, Tomas Hurdle, all guys that you would expect to play bigger and better roles over this uh, last three games that they played. Alexander Barabanov is another one there that you would expect more production out of. They haven't had Aiden Hill uh, really readily available for them. Uh, injuries have kind of been the name for the name of the game for him in his career. So they had to ride exclusively with James Reimer over those last three games. And that resulted in an 0-1-2 record. 
Uh, although the save percentage was okay at 0.910, the goals against average uh, a little too high, 3.29 there. And in St. Louis, they have you hope that they've used the break wisely. They haven't played since January 29th, and I say they hope they've used it wisely. Front and center in that uh, comment is Jordan Bennington. He has to get righted. He hadn't played in the last six games, all but a, a mop-up effort was required when he started one of the games because he started so poorly. But uh, And thanks to Billy Huso, St. Louis has been doing very well. But they got to get their number number one guy stabilized. And so hopefully uh, in this corner, I'm cheering for him. Uh, a bit of a, a neighborhood relationship there uh, exists. So I wish him well. But uh, for, the, for the franchise, this is a team. When I was on the, the show on Saturday night, they asked me to preview teams to watch out for in the playoffs. And I highlighted St. Louis because AJ, I don't know if you realize, but they, when you compile the power play efficiency and shorthanded for all the clubs in the Western conference, St. Louis is number one. And that was a, a stat that Scotty Bowman, legendary coach of the Montreal Canadians, among others, he pointed to that saying, keep an eye on those teams that top the, that ledger when you do that sum and think that they might be a factor because special teams are such a factor in the postseason. So at least St. Louis has that going for them. And then offensively, I like what they've done to give Robert Thomas a look between Tarasenko and Jordan Cairo, two wingers that are having great seasons. Thomas has taken advantage of that time to really up his productivity. The guy that loses out, though, is Ivan Barbashev, who was having a pretty nice year. And I guess this is an attempt to stretch the roster, too. He hasn't really wound up in a terrible spot because he's flanked by Brandon Saad and David Perron, two guys who are credible scorers in their own right, to give this group a a nice depth of three lines. But fact remains, Barbashev has been pointless in his last five games, so they hope that he can turn things around because he's still well-placed on a line that can be considered a third-scoring line, as I said. And then on defense, they are pretty much at full strength, and I think I I like the top three of the top four. Uh, I'm not sure what Nico Mikola is doing, partnered with Jordan uh, with Colton Pareko, I'd rather see it maybe a Marco Scandella in that spot. Uh, Mikola, though, a youngster that's getting a look there, and he's done okay in terms of offense, seven points in 29 games, but he's a minus seven on the year, and uh, I think St. Louis is a much more structured defensive team than that, so uh, I wonder about that uh, switch up there. So some question marks and concerns, uh, particularly with the goaltending situation. Uh, hope Bennington gets it right. Paul, I don't know about you, but when my team is playing, I, I tend to just watch my team. I'm, I'm not a big uh, channel flipper between multiple games. I'll go back and watch, you know, um, highlights and shortened games kind of later. Every once in a while, I'll maybe go back and watch a full game. But tonight, that may not be the case as the Tampa mm-hmm. Bay Lightning are going to face off with Colorado in what could be uh, one of the best games of the year. Now, ideally, Nathan McKinnon would be playing in this one. Unfortunately, that's not the case. Um, but Tampa Bay, for their part, is going to get Nikita Kucherov back tonight, and that's going to up the ante for the Bolts here. He returns after three games uh, on the sideline. And, and look, this is a guy that uh, played the first three games of the year, had to deal with another long-term injury. Since coming back January 6th, He's got 13 points in eight games, Um, obviously is going to be the huge driver of their offense. And, you know, if if you're looking at at DFS, it's a guy that you have to consider night in and night out. 
Um, this one could be an absolute shootout game, at, at least uh, for their their part of it. Um, the goaltending not as crisp in Colorado. So um, I know that's more talking about tonight's game, but I'm, I'm obviously excited about it. Tampa in the last couple of weeks here, they they haven't played since February 1st. So they're 2-0-1 in the last two weeks. Andre Vasilevsky picking up both of those wins for them and getting you know solid production throughout the lineup here. Headman, three points. Kalorn, a pair of goals. Sorelli, a pair of goals. Stamkos, two helpers in those three games. So all hands on deck here. And to get Kucherov back heading into, you know, the second half of the season is huge for them. And it, it really gives them a team that's going to be very hard to, once again to, to compete against. You know, they've got the defensemen that can score. They've got shutdown defensemen. They've got high-powered offense and Andre Vasilevsky between the pipes. Well, you said you were looking forward to a candidate for game of the year. I think I saw it already, and that was when the Leafs played Carolina not too long ago in their recent six-game win streak. That was the, the signature victory, and it was punctuated by a couple of guys that led the NHL in goal scoring over the last two weeks, Messrs. Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews. Austin Matthews closing in on the league leadership in goal scoring, and Barner, the hottest stick in the league with an eight-game goal scoring streak. When everybody has been criticizing this guy for passing first and not shooting enough, he's really flipped the script. And riding shotgun with those two guys, Michael Bunting has closed the gap on the rookie scoring leadership and and uh, quietly factoring into that thing before the end of the season, I'm sure. And then uh, the second line has come in for a bit of heat, AJ, with Nylander, Tavares, and Kerfoot. Looks like a good unit on paper. They're uh, two-thirds of it are pretty much a point-per-game players, but they've been quiet lately. Uh, thank goodness for me and fans of the Leafs that the first line has been hitting on all cylinders. They dodged a bullet on the, uh, in the last couple of games, when uh, last game when Austin Matthews, rather, on Monday, took a knee to the head and, and with the back of the head, and I thought, oh, no, this is like Tavares from last season. But he did not go into extended COVID protocol. It was a neck rule, a neck injury, and a minor one at that. He was back at practice and will play tonight in Calgary in another game that should be a great hot game. Uh, on defense for the Leafs, Morgan Riley has acquitted himself so well and, and has fact, forced himself into the discussion of uh, maybe top six or seven defensemen in the NHL. Uh, Points-wise, he's there. Uh, defensively, he's up his game as well and formed a nice partnership with TJ Brody, one of the best tandems in the league in the defensive situation but they're getting Jake Muzzin back in the fold and that's the best news of all on the back end because they've been wondering how to fit uh, Justin Hall, Rasmus Sandin and Timothy Lilligren together they've given the latter three more minutes while Muzzin recovered he's healthy again now and we're going to get a look at what uh, the best line of the Leafs can put together pretty much is going to look like tonight there's a chance that they'll be without Wayne Simmons and they'll miss his toughness against a lineup uh, like Calgary tonight. But Simmons, the Simmons family welcomed in addition to the family. It's nothing more than that. And he should be back in the lineup uh, before the end of this road trip. For Vancouver, it actually pretty good week for them when you consider a th- or two weeks for them. Uh, three, two and one record. Uh, the offense really kind of finding its stride uh, kind of almost suddenly. Uh, it's been not exactly a strong suit of theirs to start the year, but JT Miller, four goals, uh, two helpers, Brock Besser with six points, Oliver Ekman Larson with six, Elias Pettersson, who's kind of struggled this year, three goals and two helpers uh, in, in those last six contests. So um, if, if there's something to be concerned about, you could mention the fact that Connor Garland just had two points over that stretch 
They are dealing uh, with the absence right now of Quinn Hughes, who's in the COVID protocols. And that is going to uh, extra stretch their defense here when you consider uh, Tucker Pullman is on IR and they are still waiting the return, although it's getting closer of Travis Hamanick as well. So they've gotten themselves a little thin on the blue line right now, um, but the offense is rolling. It's been net minding by committee over that those last half dozen games. Uh, Thatcher Demko starting uh, three of those contests. Yaroslav Halak started a pair as well. Uh, and then Spencer Martin gets into one and actually had a really good outing, 33 saves on 34 shots. Um, so the, the Vancouver Canucks are another team that's looking better. Uh, certainly I, I don't peg them as a, a playoff team in part because they've played, uh, they're tied for most games played already in the Pacific. Uh, so no games in hand for them and in a tough division, but they're going to be a hard out, I think, for a lot of those teams heading into the stretch. So from that standpoint, they could factor in to the playoff discussion just based on, you know, if they can secure wins over teams that are in the mix, they could uh, be, you know, a, a bump in the road for some of these Pacific Division teams. AJ, in Las Vegas, people have got to be salivating because there are more and more clips of Jack Eichel coming out of him ramping up his preparation to, re- to join his new club. But part of the deal here is to figure out how it's going to work out salary-wise. And there is a concern that it will necessitate the move of one of their other players who has been there since the beginning of this franchise. And I'm talking about Riley Smith. He's on an expiring $5 million contract. And that's one of the things that's being contemplated, at least in the media, in terms of making this thing work. They've also got Alex Alec Martinez on long-term IR. So that gives him a little bit of flexibility with his 5.25 cap hit. Eichel's cap hit is a $10 million one. So you can see how the mathematics will need to be juggled to fit him into this roster. Uh, a couple of guys that are waiting anxiously for him. And I'm wondering what this lineup would look like if they put all their eggs in one basket with Eichel, Pacioretty, and Stone. But it seems those two guys just can't stay healthy as well. Pacioretty, I think some, some fans must be out there thinking, I've got a voodoo doll. Because in December, I said... This guy's on a heater, but he goes away for long periods of time, and you don't hear from him. And that's exactly been the case almost from the day that I said so. He hasn't scored since then, and he's also had a wrist injury. Five games back since since that, he's only managed a shot per game. That's well below what the norm is for him. So I'm not sure what's going on, but it seems like not just the wrist, but something between the ears with Pacioretty at the moment needs to get righted. And maybe the tonic is a healthy Jack Eichel, but – that's a team that I think we got to keep an eye on over the next couple of weeks to see just how they, they straighten out their cap situation. Is there a casualty uh, by seeing one of their other players leave? Yeah. I mean, Paul, just to follow up on that, you know, you with uh, as long as Alec Martinez is on LTIR, by my understanding, they only have to make about 5 million in room. Um, but obviously uh, that's a big hit for somebody else to to take on. So um, they, I think they're probably they might end up getting fleeced by somebody to take on, you know, not not that, as you said, um, not that there aren't, you know, good players who can be had here. And obviously there's a benefit to that. But if you're going to take on Riley Smith from them right now, um, I, I would just I wouldn't give anything back. That's what I, I mean. That would be my offer. Like if I had cap space, 
I'll take Riley Smith and maybe something else to take on his, his contract so that they can activate Jack Eichel and force him into a bind here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's, you're, you're dead on there. It's going to be an interesting situation to watch in Washington. Uh, you know, they, they technically got Alexander Ovechkin back off the COVID protocols, but again, because of those border crossing uh, concerns, he won't be available to play against Montreal tonight, but I'm, Pretty sure they're not worried about uh, getting past the Habs, even without Ovechkin. They are starting to kind of pile up some concerning injuries. Anthony Mantha has been out for a long time. Uh, It's looking like probably not back. They're hoping to get him back before the postseason. So you're talking about probably an April-ish return for him. TJ Oshie is still week to week. And Vidic Vanasek has been out. Um, with an upper body injury for, uh, you know, since before the all-star break and he's not back yet. So there's definitely some uh, stuff piling up for them, which, which is a concern, but you know, as long as they have Ovechkin, they, they should be fine here. He continues to just produce at a high rate as he tries to uh, track down that all time, goal scoring uh, mark. AJ, we winded up with a look at Winnipeg. They're already without Nikolai Ehlers in what was touted as one of the best top sixes in the NHL. Now they're without another piece in Pierre-Luc Dubois, who is hitting the COVID protocols. So they're forced to move Andrew Kopp into a top six role at center ice and Cole Perfetti on the right wing. The other four guys are intact. Paul Stassi moving around from center to the wing. Now he's on the wing with Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler, a great spot for him, probably a cheap DFS value play as well. And I wonder if they can get some scoring out of the bottom six. They're hoping for Adam Lowry to drive some of that offense, but the rest of the guys are are pretty much no-name types who have really had an impact here. And so you think that down the road that Winnipeg will be looking to try and bolster that group because they, they are without two pieces right now. Hope to get Dubois back, and that'll change things up a little bit. Uh, on defense, Dylan DeMello has found his way into the top six, uh, top four defenseman as a compliment to Josh Morrissey. I like the fact that they've got an offensive piece with a defensive piece all throughout the top six here. And Neil Pion comes out of COVID protocol to be a third-pairing guy with Billy Hainola and Brendan Dillon with Nate Schmidt and uh, Morrissey with DeMello. That's a good look for this defense. It's a big, rangy and a skilled defense, and that's without even having the likes of Nathan Beaulieu and Logan Stanley, who are on the IR right now. Connor Hellebuck, is, is, his numbers are off what his career norms are normally, AJ. Uh, 282 with the goals against average. The save percentage a little lower than we'd like to see it at 91% and change. So there's room for growth here in Winnipeg, but they need to get healthy and a little more depth before they can be truly considered a contender again. So with that, we have to look now at toward our DFS plays for the evening. And AJ, I already advertised loudly on the DraftKings show that I'm on a heater there, and I know you are too in terms of the picks. So this is really compelling listening for our our our, our followers on the podcast. And I can't wait to dive into this every week. And I know you feel the same. It's your duty to lead us through your top DraftKings picks for tonight. Give us your winning hand, partner. Well, I'm going to start with the Penguins uh, in a couple of spots here. And and for me, it starts with Sidney Crosby. He's just been so good lately. And, uh, you know, historically, if Malkin's out of the lineup, Crosby plays better. And and vice versa is also true. Um, Plus, there's a chance for him to get goal number 500 tonight. Um, You know, so and, and honestly, that guy is so competitive to do it against Matt Murray. I think he'd have some fun with that. 
Um, I know him and Murray got along very well, so it's not like a, a, a mean thing or anything like that, but just uh, one of those, you know, he'll, he'll tout it over him for a while and, and, and give him a hard time about it. So I'll use Crosby at 7,000. 7, I'll pair him up with Jake Gensel on the wing at 7,300. These two have just been so good together. They play on the top line, top power play together as well. For my other center, I'm going to go with Jeff Carter here, sticking uh, kind of with this Penguins theme tonight. He's only 4,400. Numbers have been down a little bit of late, but he's moving again. He's moving back into that uh, top six role with Melkin unavailable tonight. So in the matchup, I know I mentioned Ottawa has been better of late, but I do think it's a good opportunity um, to stack Pittsburgh tonight still. Another team I would consider stacking a, a little bit tonight is the Buffalo Sabres. Columbus, uh, since the start of the year, has been allowing 4.33 goals uh, per game. It's, it's been uh, really leaky. The only team worse than them uh, since in 2022 is the Montreal Canadiens. So getting um, some of those Buffalo guys, I think they'll be under-owned because uh, Buffalo just doesn't inspire a ton of confidence. So I start with Victor Olofsson, who, Paul, you mentioned – uh, playing in a little bit of a different role, has struggled of late, but his price tag is thirty three hundred. I'm able to fit him in with some of those bigger price guys that I, that I mentioned, and so I like that spot for him. I'm also going to use Peyton Krebs, uh, who you talked about a little bit, twenty five hundred. So he's a base price on uh, on DraftKings tonight. Part of that is he's going to play on the number one power play unit, so that'll give him some opportunities with the kind of the Sabers, um, better better players and, and a chance there. I mentioned Carolina uh, a little bit earlier being an, an option. Their second line is led by Andrei Svechnikov, 71 or 6,100 rather on DraftKings. So really a good opportunity here. Uh, he pairs up with Trocek and, and Seth Jarvis on that second line still gets to be on the top power play. So I like the matchup for him both at five on five uh, and with the man advantage for him. So that rounds out kind of my forward compliment. Looking at the D, I'm going to start uh, with Chris Letang. I mentioned that those power play numbers have been phenomenal. You look, uh, you know, we were talking about the last two weeks uh, in terms of numbers uh, so far. Over that period, the Penguins' second best power play in the league at 44.4%. Um, they did have Malkin for some of that, so obviously that's a factor. But Chris Letang... Even at 7,000, yeah, you need a, a point or two from him to make him worth that, but I think he's certainly capable of that tonight. And then in Colorado, it seems uh, without uh, McKinnon in the lineup, they're going to use two defensemen on that number one power play unit. Uh, so instead of having to pay up for Kale McCarr, you can use Sam Garrard in that spot, get a share of that top unit that will also feature Miko Rantanen, Nazem Kadri and Gabriel Landeskog uh, without having to break the bank. He comes in at just 4,300, pretty cheap option defensively given that role. And while I'm not going to use Washington in a lot of my other spots, just because I'm, I'm a little hesitant with Ovi out of the lineup, I, I think they'll win. I think they'll score points, but I'm having a hard time pinning down who might score for them. Um, obviously, you know, Kuznetsov and Backstrom are big pieces, but you know, Kuznetsov set to play with Joe Snively, and Connor, Sherry, uh, Backstrom playing with McMichael and Wilson. So just because of that uncertainty, I'm fading using any of their players. Their scoring could be a little spread out tonight, a little sporadic. But I do think they'll cruise to a win, and it could easily be a shutout performance. So I'm going to use Ilya Samsonov between the pipes against Montreal. 
8,100 is the price tag there. I know it's maybe a little bit risky. Teams tend to get a boost uh, with a new coach in, but I'm not sure who's going to boost anything in Montreal right now. So uh, that's my lineup as I built it out. Uh, if anybody, you know, if you want to discuss it on, on Twitter, I'll throw that out there again. Uh, you can follow me at AJSholes24. I know Paul will be discussing it as well. We like to give each other a hard time. So after Paul runs through his lineup, if you want to give him jabs for what he's doing on FanDuel, it's at Statsman22 to throw those shots Paul's way as well. All right. Uh, do that at your own risk, though. As I said, we're on the heater, and I'm pretty confident about my lineup. And I will say, AJ, that uh, I do like the Carolina-Boston matchup in the very same fashion you do. That second line is a part of my team. And also, I'm taking a look at Evgeny Kuznetsov at center to lead my Washington Washington contingent. I've got three caps in there, two forwards, one defenseman. So let me run through that. I've got Evgeny Kuznetsov for $8,200. I know he's without... Alex Ovechkin, but he's going to be the best player on the ice tonight in in Montreal. And I think the Canadians are going to spend too much time staring at the back of their bench saying, wow, Marty St. Louis is back here, instead of focusing on what's happening on the ice, likely another drubbing, even though they're missing Ovechkin tonight. So uh, because I really don't trust the Montreal goaltending, I have no hesitation in putting Kuznetsov in the lineup here. And I will put Shiri alongside him. He's a credible goal scorer, a guy who's played top six minutes throughout his career and is well-placed to be the trigger man alongside Kuznetsov. And he comes in at only $5,000 on the wing there. So that's one duo. Then I've got the entire second line for for Carolina, we've mentioned over and over about Boston's forward ranks are decimated, and maybe their goaltending is looking a little shakier now without the security blanket presence of Tuka Rask. So Vinny Trucek for $6,400 alongside Andrei Svechnikov for $7,600, and then Seth Jarvis rounding out the, the unit at $4,400. That low salary affords me the opportunity to put in some of the big boys. AJ mentioned it's necessary to kind of mix and match when you have that opportunity. So that's most of my offensive compliment. I rounded out with Boone Jenner, who has been on fire for Columbus for an extended period of time. So I'm on the other side of that game where AJ was touting Buffalo. I think Columbus has upped their game of late, and Jenner's been front and center with a strong scoring streak, pricing in at $6,600 for what he's doing. And uh, the hope is that Line 8 does play alongside him, but with or without him, uh, as Line 8's status is doubtful for tonight, I still have faith in Jenner. So despite the fact that my two of my forwards are missing their partners, I have no, no trouble putting them back in the lineup tonight. And uh, the third component from Washington's standpoint tonight is on defense here. Dmitry Orlov has been uh, John Carlson light and closing the gap of late with a steady stream of points coming his way. He's going to cost $4,800 tonight in this matchup. And then the other defenseman that I use is the St. Louis Blues host the New Jersey Devils. This is a team that, uh, unless they played Montreal, they've been uh, target practice for uh, opposition. So you could easily stack a few Blues, I suppose, but I'm, I'm not happy to at least fit in uh, Falk on the defense. And then in goal, I don't mean this as a shot across the bow, AJ, but it's going to sound like it. Marty Murray is going to put some money on the board, and I'm putting my faith in him to have another game uh, similar to the last five that you highlighted when you were profiling him and his recent efforts. Cost me $7,200 to backstop this team, and I'll see you in the winner's circle, pal. Well, here's what I'm going to do, Paul. I'm going to use your entire lineup with that exception. And for our <laughs> listeners out there, if you're smart and you're on the Penguins, you can use all of Paul's lineup except – 
I'm going to go with, because I have to stay in your, your price range there, I'm going to go with Dustin Tokarski as the net miner. I think, uh, I think he can get the win tonight, might give up a goal or two. So I'm going to use your lineup, Paul, but with Tokarski instead. And we'll, we'll compare and contrast at the end of the night. We'll tweet out uh, our, our point totals in this one and see who fared better. All right, the gauntlet has been dropped, and uh, I'll be flipping over to the Penguins game a little bit tonight, too, before the uh, main event, the Leafs and the Calgary Flames later tonight. AJ, fine effort, as as always, from your end, and I think we've given out a lot of compelling information reviewing the roster situations on the hot shooters and cold ones, uh, as well as the guys on the injured list. We try to do this every week, but you must be feeling pretty good as we started off the top with seeing justice being served to Brad Marchand, and maybe I hope that it's an indication that stuff like this is not tolerated going forward. I think we can circle back and wind up on that topic and a final thought from you in general. Yeah, the one thing I would just add at the end there is, uh, you know, you kind of mentioned it at the top and there wasn't a real good way to say it. Despite everything, despite all the shenanigans, all the BS, I would think that Brad Marchand would be a first ballot Hall of Famer. I do think he's he's that good offensively. He's a Stanley Cup champion. He's a four-time All-Star. Um, despite all the BS, I would expect, at least if I were a, a voting member of, of that committee, I would put him in on the first ballot uh, despite everything uh, else that goes on around him. Well, I'm not even going to rebuttal that, but I hope that, rebut that. But I hope some people react to that comment and give us some feedback. What do you think? Should Brad Marchand be in the Hall of Fame based on what he's done to date, or have some of the shenanigans and and the eight suspensions mitigated all that positivity? So, an uh, interesting thing to to think about. Maybe we'll put it out in a bit of a poll question uh, on Twitter and see what kind of traction that does get. So, a fine way to stop. Stop this episode, AJ, on, on that note. And we invite our listeners to listen in on a weekly basis to podcasts where we try to give you all kinds of information and uh, keep you on, on top of things in the hockey world. Please remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22. You can follow AJ at AJScholz24. As always, we invite you to listen into our show podcast to get our tips to stay to the competition. Your fantasy hockey fighting. So long, everybody. 